Annie. Emily, what's up? Not much. I had a pretty good day. How was your day? You know, it's been good. I, uh, I've i got a lot of work done preparing for a new course we're teaching at the well tonight. Uh-huh. Just got offered $13,000 for my RAV4. It's a good day. Are you getting a new car or are you just going to be carless? Considering a new car. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Electric car, potentially. Okay. Look at you. It's being so environmentally conscious, I guess. You know me. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about purity culture, and I think it's going to be a good conversation. I almost wish like we had someone else in the room on this podcast that we could talk to about it. It'd be the dream. If, if, only. if you had to pick someone, who would you pick? Ooh, top three. <sighs> Dustin Bryson. I knew you were going to say that. My mom and my dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you ask me my top choice, I would say Sadie Merbarger, and she just happens to be right here. All right, Whoa! I'll go with my fourth option. Sadie, we'll go <laughs> I didn't get a medal, but I am in top four. We're so excited you're here today. Um, Tell us who you are. How do we know you? Oh, my gosh. Hi. So I am the Wells token personality hire, (laughs) (laughs) but I also lead worship (laughs) on Sunday, and I do our TikTok account. Yeah, the pastor of TikTok. The pastor of TikTok. But so much more. You lead worship. I do. You engage people. You do a lot of fun stuff for us at the Well. I sure do. And including this podcast, but not limited to Yeah. And we have you here because I know you and I have talked about this before. Like you have a passion about the concept and the idea of purity culture, maybe deconstructing it. That's a lot of it. loves it. You love it. I love it. I'm actually super pro purity culture. Pro purity culture. I don't know if you know this, Danny, but you're talking to two of the purest broads in all of St. Charles County. Purest broads. Wi-Fi for that. Thanks. Well, hey, (laughs) uh, I'll probably never say that phrase ever again. But I I would appreciate that (laughs) if you didn't. But so one of the things we've done through the course of this is like we take things that people believe and we deconstruct them. We talk about where we're at, but purity culture from my perspective. And I like, I say it's a lot like purity culture has damaged me the least in some way. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's impacted the way I believe a lot yeah. of things. And so I like mm-hmm. that I've had to rework, but it doesn't impact me on a day to day basis. I'm like the benefactor in some ways of what purity culture for sure. projects. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, men, women, anyone, straight, gay, whatever, this has been like a catalyst for deconstruction. And so I think like it'll be an interesting conversation yeah. if we talk about it. And so um but I don't know, like where do we want to start? Emily, you have an idea of where we want to start with it? Can I, sorry, I want to know what you mean by that you're the benefactor of purity culture. What are the benefits that you reap because of purity culture? Question. I mean I think that in general purity culture is a pretty patriarchal male driven thing right so like when i say i benefit from it i had a conversation with someone a while back and she was asking about my thoughts and i was like yeah i think it's pretty it's a bummer and it's destructive but like i never had anyone really come up to me and talk to me about Mm -hmm. like who i was having sex with and like Mm -hmm. saving myself for marriage and all like even if you look at books like i kissed dating goodbye it's like like, and we'll probably talk about that maybe but like it's a male driven story yeah. Right? And so for me, like I've had a lot of negative things. I said someone like it impacted how I looked at women and how I spoke about them and like the narratives, but like it didn't, it didn't negatively cast light on me. It just negatively impacted how I engaged with other people. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love, I want to start out by telling a story that like happened to me when I was 14. Love it. Sure. And this wasn't like just for women. And I think later on we'll, pro- we'll kind of talk about how purity culture affects like different um different genders 
We'll see. In different ways. We'll see. <laughs> but so when I was 14, I also, mind you, I went to a public high school. Like this was not a center. Wasn't <laughs> right. It wasn't. Well, we you didn't have any in Albany, Illinois. You should have seen Emily's face in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what was your face? I was like, oh, yeah. 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 That'll make sense. Can't believe I'm, it really it does. <laughs> so, and this, what, what happened was, um, as we're going, we're eighth graders at this point when we're 13, 14. And we were, they were kind of, there was this group that was putting on a, a day of like training and also bonding. Cause we were basically were two grade schools that were going to consolidate as we go into high school. Yeah. So they're trying to get us to bond as well as like teach us to not do drugs and have sex and drink alcohol. So what these and the people that were teaching us about this were the juniors and seniors in high school. And so doing all the drugs and having all the sex. Basically, basically. And so you get to, there are like a bunch of different <laughs> rooms. Anyways, you get to the abstinence room, right? And there's a room? There's a room for abstinence. What did it look like? Well, well there's not a bed was... in it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, look (laughs) but so what happened was they the students put on this skit and basically they're they're supposed to represent two high schoolers and that they are about to have sex so what they do instead of like having sex in front of eighth graders is (laughs) which don't recommend they exchanged starburst and they were like all right yeah are you ready yeah so they exchanged starburst and then they chew it Mm -hmm. And they spit it out and then they give it back to the owner. And then so one of them goes, kind of goes away. But then you follow the other person. I can't remember. Can't remember if it was the guy or the girl, but you follow them to their wedding day. Right. They get married. It's so happy. And then it's their wedding night. Right. And then they whip out their Starburst because that's what you do on your wedding night. And they exchange it. And then one of the people has they've been given this pure brand new straight from the store starburst and the other person is like so sad because their partner starburst was all chewed by somebody else right and this is a public school and i'm 14 so we're gonna fast forward to when i'm 21 and i well to, to make a long story short um i had sex with this guy and except i have no memory of it whatsoever i didn't and he told me that I was consensual, so I just believed him. But as soon as I found that out, all I could think of was that my Starburst was now chewed. Mm. Mm. Sheesh. Yeah. And it would be it would be a couple of months before I would realize that what happened to me wasn't consensual. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I just kind of like set the scene super dark. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Just no. jump right we, in. Well, I want to dive more into this, but we did a similar thing when I, and that was in public school too. And so mm-hmm. I think it's like we did really? the tape and like you put on mm. someone's arm and you pulled it and you went around the whole classroom and you saw what was a clean piece of tape. And by the end of it, it's like, if you have this many sexual partners, this is your soul. Mm. What's the like, number that they're like, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, You're okay. a little it's sticky a, until, yeah. until yeah. seven, seven, yeah. seven. Very holy. Uh, <laughs> no, like. I so I'll just do my version of the tape story is this guy, my Bible teacher, had two like pieces paper people and he was like and he was like, I <laughs> I love having sex with my wife and he just stayed, like did one staple and he was like, I know her better than everyone. Another staple. Like he's just talking about sex with his wife and like stapling and stapling and stapling. And then he's like, But imagine 
if like this is how bonded we are and then he just like ripped the two people in half and they were just shredded yeesh so we're really into imagery and purity yeah, culture so really interesting are. yeah yeah well it's not i mean it's interesting right so it's like each of us has that memory right and for you it's mm-hmm. like which is an interesting thing I maybe i want to unpack more as we talk about just purity culture but it's like you had the moment in an instant where you were just like transported back in time it's like yeah. like you wanted to mm-hmm. think about that right and so like as we're talking about purity culture and just the negative ramifications of it like mm-hmm. unpack that like more of the mental space you're in in that moment like how like are you just like bathed in shame are you just like upset are you like well i don't even know if i really think like what what is your headspace if the best you can remember as you get going through that yeah i think what the narrative that was told to me was that the only pure thing about me is the fact that I hadn't had sex before. <sighs> and once that happens, like I'm a chewed up starburst. So it's kind of like, like, where do th- I go from here? Was that like, sorry, let me go back. Real- sure. is, were you told that based like, just because you like as a woman, your sexuality, that is the thing that you, or is like, are you saying there were other things like, well, I wasn't pure in these areas or is like the narrative and the rhetoric, like your sexuality in the pure. was like the only pure thing that mattered. Mm. Only, okay. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And I think that kind of, I don't know, goes back to, I think in the old, in my opinion, in the Old Testament, like you would get a higher dowry for a bride who is mm. a virgin as opposed to one who is not. And so it ultimately kind of, it, I think that it boils down to what we value about another person. And I just think that, or, and I hope that we can just see each other's value as like more than who we had sex with. And so, like, thinking about that headspace in that moment of when you're like, oh, my gosh, my Starburst is chewed up. Mm-hmm. I wonder in that moment, who were you more, like, sorry to? Was it God or was it your future husband? Oh, future husband for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like with, like, us girls at least, yeah. they emphasize, like, it's it's kind of to honor God, but it's really this gift you'll give oh, to yeah. your husband. It's, I've never thought about that, that before, but mm-hmm. it's really that, like – I, I wasn't really thinking – I mean, I was thinking a little bit of God's opinion, but it was more about like, oh, no, my future husband. I wrote him yeah. a letter last year, you know, like – Yeah. It's going to be so upset. So, like, that's who we're really – it's yeah. all – it's so patriarchal. Like, to For sure. yeah. go back to that, like, it's all about – even, like, thinking about when I – we would talk about emotional purity. Did you mm. ever talk about that? I don't think so. No. Uh, and it was like, if you think about another guy and he ends up marrying – another woman then you've thought about Oof. another woman's husband and i was just like not even sexually just like crushing on them like as like this emotional purity thing and it was like i don't know that's a lot like you i feel like you can't control that like what are you supposed to think no, about god that's it you just have to be like you just like if you're like oh i'm kind of crushing on this guy you just gotta be like he's gonna marry another woman and how are you supposed to court somebody if you're not allowed to have a crush on that's somebody? i mean don't get me started i mean i yeah. think it's bs but it's right. like but it's this even like emotional purity of like you have to save it for your hut, like save all the love for your husband. Yeah. That's why people get married when they're like literally 18 because they're like, guess this is it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just saw like, so I just watched a snippet of a Driscoll uh, sermon mm, mm. today and oh, it was about fun. how men <laughs> are kicking the can on masculinity and the reason like he essentially the crux of his argument was like spiritually and emotionally mature men are getting married in their early 20s. And if you're 30 or later and you're not married, it's because you're immature. And I think that there's so much problematic about that. Yeah. But what's like what he's saying underneath to kind of tie into what we're talking about here is it's like, 
he's essentially being like to be the most mature man you can be you have to like find your one it's all about the man finding and the Mm -hmm. man driving and Mm -hmm. so when i even talk about like purity culture being patriarchal you get like sermons like this that are like the man's job is the most mature thing you can do is find a woman lock her down lock her down and i like i made a response video i was like well i'm like was married at 21, had kids at 25, and I have one divorce and three kids to show for it. So it's like, it <laughs> doesn't mean that like I'm that much more spiritually mature. And yeah. like, I know Dustin, you don't have a mic, but like you were married pretty young, like and have gone through a divorce. And it's like mm. the idea that like there's some level of maturity tied in with like bonding yourself to someone in marriage yeah. early is such a fallacy. But I do think like I went to Christian college and like people are trying to get their ring by spring and like Same. get married. And it's like, the idea of like early marriage and early relationship was like a huge driver. And I think purity yeah. culture, even if you like had some healthy version of it, like at its core, it's about like the most Christian thing you can do mm-hmm. is be clean and pure and holy and find someone to share your on shoot starburst with. Like right. And then to immediately create a nuclear family yeah. within that. Yeah. And I think that's just like, so not even what, even the authors of the Bible were about, because I think it was, I don't know, Jesus said, like, deny your father and mother. Like, in comparison, you should hate your family into, like, what, how much you oh, love me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I think Jesus is already challenging that narrative of, like, kind of right now what the white evangelical church is doing. And they're just, like, idolizing this. And this is kind of going down a different road, but just idolizing this. Um, this nuclear family that, you know, one man, one woman were pure up until marriage. And now they're just like, boom, kids. And I, just, I don't think. Happens. Right. Boom. <laughs> just like that. But I, I don't know. I just don't think that like, that's what it's about. It yeah. being life spirituality. But I think like they, they get past all that and they're like, just get to the nuclear family, get all that because we've made, there's this book called Talking Back to Purity Culture by Rachel Joy Welcher. It's very good. And one thing she says is we've created this sort of purity prosperity gospel that Mm. says if you don't have sex until marriage, you're going to have a perfect family Mm. life. And a perfect sex life. Perfect sex life. And you'll be fertile. Like there are are purity culture resources out there that are like it it will guarantee fertility or guarantee whatever if you've done this. And like that just isn't true. and And things happen. But again, it's like. But so what happens then is if, let's say, you get married really young and it doesn't work out and you get divorced, then people are like, well, what did you not do Mm. purity-wise that messed this up? And it's this weird – there's so many levels of assumptions that people make about each other through purity culture and through, like, if they're married or not. Because, like, even if we would talk about, like, an older single guy in the church, I feel like there would be comments of, like, well, I'm sure he's just having sex then because Mm. men can't handle – not having right. sex. Yeah, they can't can't control themselves. Uh-huh. And I think one of the so obviously the purity culture how it's been carried out, I guess, is really harmful to women in so many ways. But I think one of the ways that it's harmful to men and then Danny, I guess you can speak into this as our resident man. Mm-hmm, yeah. But like it it limits you to just being this caveman almost as the where like so we're supposed to cover up we're supposed to like not do anything that could be that could tempt you in any way but like that's i don't know speaking a narrative over you that i hope isn't true for the entire male yeah, species it gives me like it gives men no credit right yeah like the only way that 
A, it skirts the blame. Actually, it puts it all on women because, like, women are the ones that are supposed to be responsible for my urges. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a sensuous thing. But it's also doing men a disservice to be like, you can't. But also, it's like, if you look at it from a different perspective, what if that's what's being preached? And it is in a lot of evangelical conservative churches. Yeah. Really, at the baseline, what I hear it saying is it's actually okay for you to have those. And it's the woman's role to subdue those for you right like you know what i mean like so like i'm like i can't do anything to help my urges like they're gonna be there and And so it's your job to help me not have those problems and that is rape culture sure it's rooted in that it's what was she wearing it's like well a guy's got to figure out a way to like get his needs and i think they're too i think purity culture and rape culture are probably intertwined more than most people agree with and so so here's a question I would have for the collective is That's us. It is you guys. Um Wait, he's asking women what they think right now. <laughs> um I'm <laughs> yeah. What's next? Women are gonna vote. Uh I'm I'm obviously pro deconstruction, right? Like we tear mm-hmm. a lot of things right. down, right? And like yeah. that's a lot of this podcast. But I always say, like, and I've said this to you and Lou before on the podcast, it's like we're not just doing this to eventually reconstruct, but I always want to say like what are we deconstructing to the point of, right? And so if we're like looking at purity culture as a, like this is a negative and this is something that's had a lot of really harmful repercussions on men and women. I mean, we haven't even touched on how it impacts the LGBTQ community, right? right? Like there's a lot of that. But when you look, for both of you, like when you look at this, like what are we then trying to deconstruct to the end of, right? Like if we see this as the negative, yeah. from your perspective, like what do we then supplant it with as a healthy and maybe biblical model for relationships and sexuality and marriage and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe you don't have an answer. That's a big question, but I mean, I mean, I'll start to say very like generally, Mm -hmm. I think something that purity culture doesn't give you is then like no one has like creates any sort of like sexual ethic. Like it's like if, if it's like abstinence until marriage, then if, if you, and if you mess up a little bit and you're screwed, like then you've lost that label. Then after that, like, it's almost like life after purity culture becomes like, well, sex is, is generally sinful. So then there's not like, who even cares if we're being thoughtful about it? So yeah. what I'm saying is I think in general, the future of or the reconstruction of purity culture is a sexual ethic, whatever that ends up being for you. Hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And I think I would kind of um, maybe the idea that I would put out there is that I think it's maybe more it's less objective and more subjective than what we would like to think. Cause it's easy. It's purity culture is e- easy in a way because it's very black and white and there's not yeah, any wiggle that room. Before. Like that's one of the compelling things about evangelicalism. It's black right. and white. You can have an answer for anything. And, but I, what, what I think in my opinion, what I think a, maybe not a, biblical but like a christ centric sexual ethic because i think what evangelical evangelicalism often does is that we are less interested in our hearts and we're more interested in policing our bodies Mm. this is a um it's kind of related (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of related to some of like richard Rohr's um theology and stuff that i've read about him or from him. But I think that, at least for me, a positive sexual ethic will look less like policing my body, policing other people's bodies, and more like caring about my heart and also caring about my partner's heart, whoever it is. Yeah. 
Because that's like, I mean, going back, let's go back to like the sin episode where you have this very eloquent definition of sin, which is it's what's something that tears me away from God and other people. And I think sex can definitely be used to tear us away from God and from other people. Oh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. There's very harmful and destructive ways to like sure. engage yes. in sexuality. I, I don't think it's as black and white as like abstinence till marriage and then mm. you completely rid sin from sexuality. Yeah. Mm. I think yeah. I think it's I think it's more complex than that. Right. Because I mean, this is kind of dipping a little bit into um the LGBTQ conversation is like I've been asked before, is all homosexuality pleasing to God? And I say like in a similar way to all homosexual sex i think that it i think that it can be heterosexual sex? Yeah, yeah 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 whatever heterosexual sex can be can be good or it can be harmful i think mm. homosexual sex can be good or it can be harmful like to people's hearts i think and yeah. i think it's more about i think it's more about mindfulness i think it's more about treating the other person not as an object but as a soul but dare i say it doesn't i don't think that it has to be in the confines of marriage yeah well that's so that a great segue thank Mm. you for that so here's an interesting question because like the church has preached a long time right about uh saving yourself for marriage and Mm -hmm. sex outside like very anti-premarital cohabitation premarital sex all that kind of stuff and with that in mind and just overall this whole topic like what do you guys perceive the church's role within this to be like so because i think about this a lot like i'm a pastor and so i have a, a flock and a congregation and i want to be intertwined in their lives and be able to add guidance and I want to be able to add perspective and I want to be able to add wisdom where I can. But where do you see the church's role with them? Do you think it's like, hey, what happens in your sexual life is your business? Or do you think the church has something to say about it? Like, because if we're deconstructing purity culture and saying like, that's mm-hmm. probably not what the church should be saying, should the church be projecting anything from your perspective? I think, um, so my first immediate response to you is like, in general, I would lean toward you don't have to bring it up because I think evangelicalism kind of like is it says everything is on the table and you owe your spiritual leader every part of your story. Yeah. And like I was talking to someone recently who was saying that she like kind of left faith for a time and came back and was like meeting with a pastor and he was asking a lot of very personal questions about her sex life as if she had as if he had the right to that. Mm. And I, I don't, I don't really think that, I think it can get inappropriate. And I think we've lost any sense of like something that you, maybe a pastor doesn't have the right to ask you. Can right. I say that? Well, especially in evangelical yeah. space. Like I, cause I have my own thought on the engagement. We, I can talk more about it after you say, but I would say mm-hmm. like, I can't even imagine sitting in my office. I don't have an office, but if I had one <laughs> with a woman in the congregation, be like, you know, like, can I talk to you about your sex life? Like that seems yes. pretty out of bounds, but in the evangelical yeah. world, it's pretty inbounds. Mm-hmm. You almost have to ask it. Yeah. So I was a resident at a church and we were doing vocal auditions for the worship team. And I don't even know how I got brought up, but some girl mentioned that she like lived with her boyfriend. And like, that was a conversation that they immediately had right after. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the reasons, not the main reason, like she wasn't particularly gifted in the vocal department, <laughs> but that was like, even if she was, I don't think that that, that she would have been on the worship team. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, I have taken from, or I have taken, and I've been like, this is what I'm not going to do as a worship pastor is like, I'm not going to make it my business if someone lives with a partner outside of marriage. I think, 
I think that we should be, again, like caring about hearts and caring about souls. And so if someone is like damaged, not damaged, maybe bad word, but like if someone was, sorry, if someone was harmed or abused in a way, then I think that like we need to provide like a safe space for that. Yeah. So I think it, it's like it's not don't talk about it. Like I don't really like that narrative no, either. Me neither. But I think I think that's it, right? Is like what would it look like for spiritual leaders to say, let's bring some questions up and maybe ask some thoughtful questions rhetorically and generally, maybe not one on one. These are like very specific questions, but to say like like we did a series on Song of Solomon at, at the well mm-hmm. and like it's, we haven't not brought up sex, but it hasn't been this, like, this is the most important thing about you and your walk with God. It's right. been like, it's been like, sex matters to God, so it matters to us, and it matters to be thoughtful about it. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, if you asked me to sit down and say, like, what does the well tell me to do with my sexuality? I wouldn't know what to say. Oh. Which right. I think is good. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think it's good, too. And I think, well, especially because I... I'm pretty sure I know for a fact that Danny and I have different, like, opinions on, like, a sexual ethic. And because yeah. we've talked about it before, I was yes, like, listen. True, true yeah. <laughs> right. Because, like, I I think that if someone is being respected and consent is there, then, like, I don't see a problem with sex before marriage. But I also – I have a friend who – and it's less, it's less of a shame conversation. It's less of a I'm damaged if I do have sex. It's more of a, like – he views once two people have sex that they are like way too involved with one another if they're if they're not married and i've told him i was like if that is true for you mm. and then i say absolutely please have that sexual ethic like yes. in your own life cuz i what i don't want to do is kind of like shame or say oh so sweet if someone wants to like save themselves for marriage i think they absolutely should do that yeah yeah i think it's interesting like from my perspective and this is coming from someone that like has my own history of yeah um sexual experiences like in my life right and so that shades part of what i believe but i i'm just interested because i think that there and you said this right like there's sex is a wonderful thing but it can be sinful or it can be helpful right and there's lots of Mm -hmm. ways that it can tear us apart from god and from one another and i think that's where i look at it from my perspective as just a human but as a pastor and as someone that loves jesus like there's ways in purity culture to tie it into that has like created a bad ethic maybe like or a really shameful one but there's a way to think about it like if we have the freedom in christ to do all things but not all things are edifying and helpful it's like how do we figure out how to engage sex and sexuality in a way that is really helpful, especially if like sex is something that God designed us for. And the problem is like, rarely do we have conversations that are helpful like this that aren't shame driven, right? Like oh, yeah. rarely can you have disagreement? Can you have differings of opinions? But it's something that God designed us for and for people to do and for people that are committed to one another to engage in, right? I think mm-hmm. there's a level to say like, how are we creating space that doesn't shame people? but pushes people to a preferred end, if that makes sense. Like, I think, I don't know that anyone, and maybe you guys would disagree. Like, I don't know that you guys would or wouldn't. So tell me if you disagree. But like, <laughs> like best case scenario, like you would have your lifelong partner, that that would be the person that you shared that moment with, right? Like that you were having. Solely? Well, I mean, ideally, like, I, like mm. I'm not the kind of person like, I need to have sex with 14 women before I meet my wife so I can be just awesome at it so mm-hmm. it's like if that's not your narrative then i don't know why you would try to have sex with as many people as you could 
but I wouldn't shame. Like I know people, I had sex before marriage. I know people that have, that are wonderful people. I know people that haven't, that are terrible people. Right. So it's not like a one for one, but I think yeah. the idea in it is like, if this is the best possible outcome, because it's like the least destructive, maybe, because that's where I see it. Like I don't mm-hmm. subscribe to my tape thing that they did to me, like in middle oh, school where like right. I had uh-huh. all this like dirty tape. But I do know that like the people that I engage with outside of marriage before I met my wife, like there's baggage that you bring in. And I like, I wish there are times where, like, I wish I could have undone that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a level of saying like, what is the best potential, but not shame people for not living into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And I, I also, I kind of want to pass it off to Emily, who's our like embodiment queen. I think that something I love, something that I love that Emily talks about, (laughs) she, she talks about like how things feel in her body. Mm, So like that's, in my opinion, I think like that's how you, you kind of check yourself and not check yourself, but you know, check in with your body, with your heart and be like, Hey, is this edifying to me? Like, do I want to do this as, you know, whatever, if you're going to like hook up with someone or whatever. Who's going downhill fast, but not downhill. But I think that, so, oh, geez. For me, I think that having positive sexual experiences has been healing to someone like me who has sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, yeah. So if I have a positive experience, then like that is me on my healing journey, not, mm-hmm. not, um, not like once I have a, partner one day that's not damaging it's actually been helping me heal yeah and i think one thing that i want to hit on in this like embodiment and healing thing and kind of something that danny hit on too is like is you were like i had experiences that looking back i'm like ah dang maybe i wish i that wouldn't have happened Mm. but that is something that we don't offer in purity culture is any sense of trial and error Sure. It is. It is. You mess up one time and you're done. Yeah. You're and dirty so, and you're cast off. So I think there is something to be said, too, about the fact that, like, you can – maybe you have sexual experiences and then you decide that's something that I want to wait for my spouse. You're not, like, completely ruined. You had an experience and then you, like, adjusted and mm-hmm. figured out your new sexual ethic. And, again, another person is involved and there is, like – we have to be thoughtful right. and you can't just be like, oh, I just figured it out and just yeah. hurt a bunch of people. Right. But there's something to be said about the idea of like listening to our bodies sometimes includes trial and error. And when I was like deep in purity culture, I – my body was my enemy mm-hmm. because especially I'll say as a woman, I was told that women don't really have sexual feelings. And so then mm-hmm. when I was like feeling some type of way, I mm-hmm. was like, I guess I'm crazy and the only girl – like <laughs> right and so yeah. and so that's tricky right because well, so, yeah, we're told that we are the object uh-huh. that men lust after but women ourselves don't don't have those feelings of lust which obviously is not true and we're gonna hate it but like then that means our husband won't leave yeah yeah like for lack of better <laughs> terms like that has that was said to me in church oh geez can i quote what a gilmore girls do we have what to like so what I, a bummer yeah honestly <laughs> she goes she goes I mean, this woman was like, sometimes I don't want to have sex, but like I serve my husband oh, by God. by giving it to him, and then he won't like be thinking about other women, other women. Jeez. And I was like, ah, there's so much wrong with that. So, ah, yeah, I think what well, because like Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah, Gilmore Girls reference. So Lane gets married mm-hmm. to Zach, and her mom 
um, who's a Korean woman. They're also they're Seventh Day Seventh Day Adventists. Yes. So <laughs> Lane sits down with her mom, and her mom, Mrs. Kim, is like, Lane, it's time that we finally had this talk. So she's like, the wedding night, you'll have to do certain things. And she says, if you're lucky, you only have to do it once, just like me. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> right? So, and like, that, I think that kind of, it's, it's, we're told it's a duty, that it's just something we have to do because we're this sexual object that's pleasing to men, but there's no like pleasure involved for women. And can I say that is in a very hetero- women- heterosexual, yes, normative. Sure. That's- but also that is some women's experience when there's so oh, much shame. Yeah. There's a lot of struggles in that, that like, Women are like, oh, well, it's so bad. And then all of a sudden you get married and you're supposed to be like, flip a switch. Fine. Like, I remember someone told me a story that she was like, she was like, I, she was telling me about her wedding night. And she was like, I remember waking up in the same bed as my husband and immediately feeling like, oh my gosh, like we did something wrong. And then remembering like, we're married. So it's fine. Like that doesn't go away in a day. No, absolutely not. Like I, I went to a Christian university and one of my friends, when I have a, when I was a freshman, one of my friends, not also a freshman, but a few years older than me, got married. And she was saying that, like, sometimes when we're having sex, I, I feel violated. Like, because mm-hmm. that's just what, like, she's had all these negative connotations about sex her entire life up until the point of being married. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't go away. And I think that's another negative con- ramification yeah. of purity culture. Yeah, I think it makes it even more important for us to, like, and that's why I think this conversation is important, right? Is to, the reason we talk about it is to, try to replace it with something that's much more life-giving. Right. Right? And realizing there's some... I mean, you guys have both talked about a sexual ethic, meaning that there probably presumably needs to be one, right? Yeah, so like, definitely. So yes. the idea is like figuring out how we create something that's um, life-giving and, and all of that. And I think finding grace is really important, right? Like mm-hmm. the idea that um, we are not the sum of all of our mistakes right i think that's really important yeah but also like one of my favorite comedians is like he says jesus died for your sins so get your money's worth right and so (laughs) but the idea is like then if not the same having sex for a marriage like i'm not speaking into that but like the other way to look at that is like just because i can have sex with many people as i want like and i find grace in that doesn't mean you probably should does Mm -hmm. that make sense and so Mm -hmm. it's like where is the middle ground between freedom and an ethic that isn't that isn't harmful yeah that isn't harmful and over Overlaced with shame because I think there's a lot of different areas that people are provided grace and provided freedom and provided stability and walk alongside. And for whatever reason, like I'm sitting here right now listening and like there you guys, I mean, you have like a little five minute powwow without me for a second. You guys are just talking to each other. But I'm like, this is a deeply uncomfortable conversation for me. And it's not because I like it. The conversation itself doesn't make. But as a pastor and as like a male in Christianity, like having conversations about sex that aren't just like prescriptive, like the Bible says this and do it. Right. We are not trained to do that. And so I enjoy a space like this because it's creating more dialogue and openness, but it's not something that as Christians or pastors, many of us are trained to do well is to talk about sex and sexuality with any level of spirituality or emotional awareness. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm super uncomfortable right now. Like this conversation. I feel super comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think we need that presence. But mine, like, it's not that I'm uncomfortable talking about it, but it's I'm so used to having these conversations in the shadows. Oh, yeah. And this is Or with someone who's kind of like opposing you instead? Or... No, no, no. Just to like someone to be like, well, I'm kind of struggling with this. And then people Mm -hmm. being like, oh, yeah, me too. Just no one says anything. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and so this is very open but i think like again what you're saying with the shame and kind of what i was going back to is like 
To me, the big thing that will take away shame is if we don't make it such a permanent part of your identity, if you make a mistake in the sexual ethic or if your sexual ethic changes. Like it's this, it's this complete lack of trial and error in the, in the like context of sex that I think can be so damaging. Like, let's say I get blackout drunk. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, dang, like maybe, maybe that wasn't the best choice for me. And maybe that didn't lead to great things. No one's like, well, Emily lost her drinking virginity. And mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what I, I think it's, but really do you know analogy. what I'm saying though? Yeah. Is like, people are just like, oh, you messed up. But it's like, I, I don't get blackout drunk. And I'm like, I hope my husband doesn't get mad at me. Yeah. My future person who I have not yet committed to, by the way, mm-hmm. but yet I'm expected to like, be Act like you are. Yeah, you even look at like, I mean, Jesus, obviously, I say, obviously, I think you can look at the words of Jesus and he has an ethic that he's putting out and he's teaching to it. But also in every engage with people that are outside of that, they're mm. always met with grace. They're yeah. always met and that their identity is not what they did. It's yeah. that they are known and loved by God. And I think that's the hard part about this is that we let our morals define the human and not what God says about us define us right so it's like you are the person you're the the girl that had sex with all these guys you're the guy that had sex with all these, like you are the sum of what you did not who god says you are and i think that's what's really damaging because think about like i think that is oh my gosh i feel like this is it like i feel like we figured out the answer to what church should do <laughs> i feel like i'm serious so like i'm thinking about the the woman at the well women at the well oh, baby that's oh. awesome. <laughs> sorry danny not the church the bible story <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> I definitely want to call our women's ministry women at the well, though. Like, that's it's hilarious. Yeah, okay, it's anyway. Um, so, but what I was trying to say is, let's, like, think about Jesus meeting that woman who she was, you know, she had five husbands and the woman that, I mean, and the man he was, she was, the man she was with now was not her husband. And so, and so Jesus is just vibing with her and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm not married. And he's like, yeah, you've had five husbands and mm. you're living with someone right now. He doesn't say... He doesn't like he doesn't like slut shame her. I mean, like, you know, and he's yeah. he's not like you're a hoe. Like he's, but he's like, also truthful but, about but, what's happening. But what he but he's like, this he is the real change, deal. And, right. Well, no, he, this is he says he says like everyone somewhere. who drinks in this well will be thirsty again. But I offer living water. He does not say go leave the guy you're with right now. Move out. Stop having sex with him. He just says, I'm not really sure. He goes. He points out to her. Clearly something's not satisfying you. And and there is something that does satisfy. Yeah. That is what he freaking says. So you're super into that TikTok from that bachelor woman that's going viral right now. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, that's like <laughs> Jesus is the only true thing that can satisfy. And people will stitch no, it like, what but what about, what about the Taco Bell $1 menu? You know? But I'm saying he asked thought-provoking questions about her yeah. sexual ethic. Yeah. yeah. That I'm is what Jesus freaking did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think pretty interesting. we can kind of go back to like it's more about purity is less about – the specific actions and more about like your heart, how it's affecting you. Yeah. I think I, a parallel can kind of be drawn there. Like if so hypothetical situation, if someone is going out and like sleeping with someone different every night and, but what they're trying to do instead is trying to fill a void. Like that I think is, could be, I, in my opinion would be a negative sexual act only because they're like, they're using sex as a distraction for something deeper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just had a conversation with someone in a similar vein about, like, what is the motivation behind the relationships? Sure. That and I think the motivation is important, right? Is that are you pursuing yeah. sex to fill, like, an emptiness that you have? Like, or, like, I feel like I, 
I'm not enough of a person or like, Mm -hmm. I'm sad. Like there's some level of brokenness, right? That if like, you're only pursuing that. And so that's the question I think you have to ask yourself. And so, yeah, not you, I was like, but you were the one I was like, so a question. So Sadie, uh, I usually ask this to Emily, but I want to ask it to you, (laughs) but I want you to answer it as well. Emily. (laughs) But like in this conversation, sometimes it can be discouraging, right? Like we're like deconstructing and like a lot of people get really bummed out by deconstruction because they're like, they see the rubble. Mm. And it can be daunting. Mm-hmm. So where's the hope in this conversation for you? Like, as we're talking about like, hey, we're deconstructing the negativity of purity culture. And I know we've talked a little bit about the idea of reconstructing an ethic. But like, mm-hmm. where do you see the hope for the listener that's really struggled with their perspective or what they've been told on purity culture as that relates to the relationship with Jesus and with the church? Because I think that's yeah. one of the things we're restoring, hopefully, is a connected relationship with the church where the church is really cashed in some relational chips they maybe didn't have. Right. And there's a like a debt at this point. Right. The, well, I think the hard part is there's not like an easy five-step plan to just being completely free from all yeah. purity culture, guilt, and shame. But I know for me it's looked like years of therapy, a lot of reprocessing of trauma, relearning like what does it what does purity mean as opposed to like individual acts as opposed to like my heart, how I'm feeling about myself, about my body, about the relationships that I am having. And mm. really just like constantly kind of checking in with myself. Mm. And because I think like that type of knowing yourself is also knowing God, if I'm allowed to say that. Heck yeah. <laughs> say <laughs> but, it, girl. Yes. Yeah. But the more that you can <laughs> – check in with yourself and actually think like, okay, is this something that I'm feeling because it was told to me my entire life? Or is it actually something that I think God is teaching to me? That's a great question. It's kind of like Mm. taking every thought captive, dare I say, dare I, dare I quote some, dare I quote some scripture, but I couldn't even, couldn't even tell you where it's from. Taking every thought captive. It's somewhere. Probably Paul. Probably Paul. Sounds very Paul. Peter. Mm. Kind of feels Petery. Whatever. It feels more Paul to me. Calm in it. Mm. But I don't know. I think that's hopeful to me. And that's what has provided my own healing from sexual trauma. What I figuring out my own sexual ethic, like that's what's been hopeful to me. And cool. it's hard because it's not going to be prescriptive for everybody. Sure. But I think it. I sharing hope, your story is helpful, right? Yeah. I hope like that it's hopeful for people. Yours. Yeah. What about you, Emily? I think the hope – this is – I'm just going to be 100% honest and say what came to my mind when you asked, answered, when you asked this question. Uh, bear with me. You had a sassy look on your face when I was saying it, so it's going to be sarcastic? No, okay. no. It, but I was just like, this is a dumb answer, but it, it's working oh. for me. So, like, I've been thinking about the Starburst story and how – Yeah. Ooh, and bring multiple – Full circle ending. Yeah. Um, and how – like, I, I know a lot of – I'm going to say specifically women, but I'm sure men too, like, have this story of, like, yes. being something that's chewed up or eaten or used or as if we're some something to consume. And, like, mm. the, I just kept thinking about the animal, the skink, which when it's Sorry, tail. It's not landing I know. I, I know. I know. And that's why I was like, I warned you. But um, so it's this animal with a blue tail and then... When it gets attacked, <laughs> like if it gets attacked by the tail, the tail rips off, but then it grows a new tail. And I was thinking about like, what if we really saw ourselves as like beautiful and regenerative and not just as like 
something that's chewed up once, like something yeah. to consume yeah. once. Like to me, that is some hope. Is yeah. that we're skinks? Yeah, we're skinks, not skanks. We're going to put that on a shirt. I've been waiting to say that since you started the story. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we can be a skank if you want to be. I want that so um, Put that on a t shirt. That made me so happy. <laughs> uh, I, I felt pretty good about it. Um, well, Sadie. <laughs> This has been a really fun conversation. Yeah. I really do appreciate your perspective. Uh, we have a lot. We laugh a lot on this show, but mm-hmm. this has been a topic that I find hard to laugh at. But you've added some levity mm. to it, and I think mm-hmm. it's been fun. And so yeah. we appreciate you. Um, so, but with that, Emily, do you want to send us out as you always do? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sadie, for being here. And as always, embrace the journey. Oh. Yeah. Way late to that, that man. Right. It's fine. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. This I like your shimmy. I like yeah. your shimmy. Wait, do you not watch the show? <laughs>